Now, Executive Suites with WPRI.com reporter Ted Nisi. Welcome to Executive Suite. I'm Ted Nisi, and today we're taking up a favorite topic on this program, which is the business of beer, a business that's really boomed here in Rhode Island and Southeast New England in recent years. And today I'm pleased to be joined by Jennifer Brinton. Jennifer is the co-owner of Graysale, which is down in Westerly, and I bet a lot of you are familiar with Graysale. Jennifer, thanks for being with me. Thank you for having me. I appreciate so, it. Um, let's start. I, I was saying to you before we started, usually I would start the show and I ask someone to say, tell us what you do at your company. <laughs> Some people are making widgets and things we've never heard of. You make beer, and people will understand that off the top. But talk to people a little. Maybe they've seen you in the shop. Maybe they've ordered a gray sale. They've bought, uh, you know, uh, they bought some cans. But, you know, tell us a little about the company itself, the scope of what you do, and, and kind of your operation there in Westerly. Sure. So we are a full manufacturing brewery in Westerly, Rhode Island. We uh, operate on a campus-style um, setup there. And we do everything from brewing the beer to packaging the beer to shipping the beer out to our distributors within Rhode Island and into some other states. Uh, we are, we have all full-time employees. We are up to 13 employees now at our business, which is wonderful. And that's, um, th that's our focus, really. Our, our core is manufacturing and distribution to our local markets. And not all of the sort of newer craft beer makers do it all in their own place, right? There, some of them Correct. farm out parts of it, but you Correct. guys are doing kind of end-to-end. Correct. We went in in 2011 when we started. We purchased our building. We've expanded our building. We've expanded our adjacent properties um, into adjacent properties in Westerly. A wonderful partnership with the town. And we've grown from there, and we, we grow on-site, and we're very proud of being entrenched in our Westerly community. How much beer are you guys now making a year? How do you quantify it? <laughs> <laughs> so, Unit of measure in brewery terms would be a barrel, so the equivalent of what anybody would look at as two full-size kegs would okay. make a barrel. So we produced, we closed out 2018 with just over 9,000 barrels. So it'd be about 18,000 kegs Correct. of beer yes. for us imagining the Correct. keg. That's yes. a lot of beer. Yes, that's <laughs> a lot of beer. <laughs> what does it take? What goes into that? Do you have any idea of like how many of the, the base ingredients you go through in a year to make that level of beer? Uh, we do. So it, it really depends on the actual batch of the beer. But you know, you're, we're talking thousands and thousands of pounds of grain a day flowing through our <laughs> through our system, hops, et cetera. So uh, gallons of water that, you know, are just continually pumping through the building. So it's, it's, it's quite an endeavor. <laughs> <laughs> it is a true manufacturing process. Yeah, so. that's what's interesting. It's still a manufacturing business, it is. Um, it is. Uh, even though it's also a food business. How long does it take from like whatever the very first step is to get going on a batch to the point where you are, you know, taking it out of the tap or putting it in a, in a can or something like that. How long is the gestation? So depending on the style of beer, most of ours are about two weeks. So 14 to 16 days would be the, the average amount of time. That's from milling in the grain to getting the beer packaged and on a truck and sent up to our distributor. Yeah, so two weeks from two weeks. Uh, and then. And most of that is fermentation time. The actual waiting. brew, the actual time that it takes to make the beer to churn out that recipe is within a shift. So that's within a day and then then it's fermenting for most of that time. So it's a little waiting. A lot of waiting. A lot of waiting. <laughs> um, waiting. And you, at Graysale, I mean, it's I see it all over Rhode Island now. How far are you distributing the beer uh, right now? We're talking, you know, mm -hmm. at the end of 2019. How, how far and wide are you? So we are, Rhode Island and Connecticut are our mainstays. We are in Westerly, so Connecticut really is part of our, our radius there. Um, we look into Connecticut from where we are. 
And from there, we have a little distribution into Massachusetts. Uh, we're into New York a little bit, New Jersey, and trickle into Pennsylvania as well. So um, you you alluded to it. In addition to the the brewery, the distrib the manufacturing uh, apparatus, you have a tap room um, where you make pizza. You and you uh, you know people are coming and having the beer. It's kind of hangout space. How important has that been to the success of the company? So it's been great. It is actually a separate business entity, right. but but it is adjacent Partly to the brewery. Partly due to a quirk in Rhode Island law. It right? is Rhode Island law. Some of it's federal law, right? So at the tap room, we, we have this luxury of geography. I say that we were able to buy this beautiful space right next to the brewery, uh, which is an old Italian colonial house and great large beer garden with a bocce court. We do have a gentleman who does uh, his own pizza business on site, so we were able to get yet another business off the ground in town, which was wonderful to be able to help. And that's been great. It's a great market uh, marketing asset for us. It's a great draw. It's a great tourist attraction for people. People go on beer tours. Right, so as we talk about the culture of beer, and people go to places for beer tours, and we provide a, a really great stop, a first stop coming into the westerly area, not just for the beaches, but to come to the brewery and the tap room itself. So it's been it's been wonderful for the the beer business as a whole, I think, in the area for our brand. Um, the tap room we are able to also feature because of the way it's set up. Other Rhode Island beers, other local regional beers, local wine. So it's really been. Quite an endeavor. Have you ever had Taylor Swift come in? I, not to my knowledge. Maybe <laughs> she's come in when I'm not there. I yeah, don't maybe. Know. <laughs> she's coming incognito as our, our westerly, uh, our, our most famous resident down there. You and your your main, uh, your the actual Graysale operation. I believe it was the old Westerly Macaroni mm. Company, is. right? Is it you've converted into this? It is. So, our just the geography, that being in the North End, our building has a great story in itself. So, as Westerly turns 350 this year, and we're a major part of that celebration. We actually brewed the Westerly 350th beer. Uh, to celebrate. Our building dates back to 1924 and it was started as the Westerly Macaroni Manufacturing Company and we've kept the original granite chiseled block um, on the front of the building because it really is an important part of our history uh, where we are. So it was the macaroni factory, it was the U.S. Postal Service, it was another local business from 89 until 2010, the flood of 2010 is what made that building become available. Um, which for us was, again, while it was an unfortunate circumstance, it turned into a, a good opportunity for us with that building. Kind of funny, go go a century, you go from the, the food business of Rhode Island's macaroni, now the food mm -hmm. business of Rhode Island is beer. Um, so let's talk a little about the origins of the company. You uh, and your husband, Alan, started yes. Graysale uh, back in 2011. Uh, did you always expect to be beer entrepreneurs? He did. <laughs> Uh, before I met him in 1998, uh, that was his plan. He really loved it, um, has a, just a knack, a skill set for not only brewing it, but for building the facility for really the whole operation in, in totality. It's really amazing with all the skill sets that he brings to this business. And in 2010, 2009, excuse me, we're going on our 10th anniversary, and I thought, okay, I'm, I'm ready to go back to work full time. I had left my engineering career years before. We had children. Um, Four kids, I think, right? Right. At the time, we only had three. Okay. <laughs> and she was going to be starting kindergarten, and I thought, okay, I can go back to work. I could do the business end full time, and give him really what what his dream had been, which became my dream, you know, as as we uh, grew together. And 2011, we were able to launch the brewery, and in that time span of planning the brewery, the fourth Mary did arrive. <laughs> um, so she is linked to to what we'll talk about probably a little later, featured here on the table, um, but. It, grew, it kind of just grew with us, and it really took. It was 
it wasn't always easy. It was certainly tough starting a business, being entrepreneurs, but it was his passion and it became my passion and I think that made it a much easier road. Is it a strain so. as a couple to be uh, in business together, to be, you know, have this, uh, oh, it's like a fifth child. Right, <laughs> it, it, it definitely is sometimes a fifth, sixth, and seventh child. <laughs> um, but it is, it, it, we work really well as a team. So I think where it could be stressful, we bounce out of that pretty quickly because we really do function well as a team. That's good advice for so, every married couple, whether they're, whether they're running a beer business and, and or just, just trying need, to get the house in order. And I don't, right, and I don't think it's business or house or, or any other raising kids. You know, you just know, you need to know when to step back and yeah. then re-engage, and, and it works out well. So. All right, so we're doing a little marriage counseling along with the business of beer this week on Executive Suite. A beer can help with that, too, probably. So when we come back, we're going to talk more with Jennifer Brinton about Graysale, their origins, and why the beer business is just booming in Rhode Island. Stick with us on Executive Suite. Welcome back to Executive Suite. I'm Ted Nisi. We're talking about the business of brewing and beer with Jennifer Brinton. She is the co-owner of Graysale down in Westerly. And we were talking a little about the origin story, how this was your husband's passion and uh, became your passion too, as you said, Jennifer. Um, Graysale, where'd the name come from? It, most of our names are tied to either family or geography. So when we were looking to name this company. We wanted to be tied to the fact that we're coastal, we're in Rhode Island, we're in the ocean state. We wanted all of that. How do you blend that? Well, we live on the ocean, trying to you know, come up with the name. And our daughter, Grace, who was young at the time, um, only about seven, she was always around in the kitchen, loves working in the kitchen, helping with you know those experimental things, crushing some hops and things like that. So Grace Ale started oh. um, and Grace Sale we weren't going to name it that you know outside of our kitchen uh, but it became Gray Sale so that's why Gray Sale instead of White Sale Red Sale Blue Sale it really tied to the the family name of, of our eldest daughter Grace I love it there's usually a story with that kind of thing that's awesome so um, um, you know we think of uh, whether it's Gray Sale or, or Foolproof or some of the other beer companies yeah. in Rhode Island is you know small they, a person wanted to do it mm -hmm. operations but you actually got a boost from one of the biggest names in alcohol in Rhode Island, which is McLaughlin and Moran, the big distribution company. Talk about how they played into your growth and, and uh, you guys becoming, you know, stable, thriving business. So that was um, probably the, the most concerned I was at starting this business was who was going to pick us up, who was going to distribute our beer, right? We can make it, we can be great employers, we can handle all of that, but who is really going to distribute our beer? And we needed to be a distribution brewery. And I got a phone call from a man named Chuck Borkowski, who's just been a phenomenal friend throughout the years. He's retired since, but um, saying, you know, we heard about your project and we want to meet, we want to talk to you about your brand. So we went up there with a business card and us and said, you know, we're, we would love to, to be able to work with you. I mean, it was really a dream. It was what an opportunity this was for us. And several months later, when we were building the brewery itself, they, Terry Moran came down, Chuck Borkowski came down and we had lunch and we had an agreement. Uh, to for them to distribute our beer, and I I can say we would not be where we are today without without them. Being That's, yeah, our it's like it's like a band getting picked up by a big record label or something, sure. right? Yeah, <laughs> an like, analogy. Yeah, um, right. and that's that's fascinating. So they just heard about you, and they're always, I guess, scouting for new products. Well, that's the, that is their business, yeah. and you know, uh, truly wonderful at their business, and it really could not have been a better match. Not only from getting us off the ground and doing what they've done with our brand to help us in the market, but just personality match. I mean, culturally, it's just been a fantastic blend. 
So um, I want to talk about the growth and the future. Um, you're building a distillery right now. That's in progress. When's it supposed yeah. to open, and what's the what's the hope for that? Wow. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we believe we're on target to open before uh, the end of the year. Okay. So the distilling equipment is in. This is part of our on-campus expansion. So we have these two smaller buildings in between uh, the brewery and what is the tap room that we've been renovating. So that renovation is done. The equipment's going in, and we hope to have spirits coursing through there hopefully by the end of the year so and it'll be your own you under your own brand and uh, gray sale correct so it is a separate um separate entity technically uh, but it is as of now gray sale spirits um, whether it comes up with a different branding name i'm, I'm not quite sure yet uh, we're not quite at that part of the process but we are very excited about it so that'll be a, an, another kind of adjunct offering that that we have under the Graysale brands. And one of the questions uh, one of my colleagues was curious about was sort of you know how you decide about growth you know because you, you as you said you're a manufacturing company right. you can only you know you maybe you could be picked up in all 50 states but you probably couldn't make enough beer right, right, <laughs> to right, serve right, that many right, liquor stores right. at the moment or whatever how do you think about how big Graysale could get how many states right. you'd want to be in and and also sort of the the trade-offs of how much you know more maybe capacity you might need right. if you wanted to go to a lot more states right. and, and all that and, and you mentioned a key word trade-off is always part of it right so when we started in 2011, you know, we had capacity for a few thousand barrels. We launched Captain's Daughter, which became very quickly our signature beer. We launched that in October 2014, and we found ourselves by December of 2014 being out of capacity. Mm -hmm. um, good problem to have, but a problem nonetheless. So we began plans for our expansion. In 2017, we underwent a major expansion. We had done smaller expansions along the way, but 2017, that summer, we really expanded. We expanded to a capacity of between 14 and 15,000 barrels, theoretically, depending on how you're brewing in a given year. And so now that's our capacity. We're at 14 to 15,000 barrels. As I mentioned, we capped out 2018 at just over 9,000. So we have room to expand. That was done purposefully with intent that one day we would look to other markets, possibly, new beers that would come on the market. Um, we are five years after the launch of Captain's Daughter. That brand is still growing in volume. We are still chewing up more and more capacity uh, with our current beers and filling, working toward filling that other five to 6,000 barrels of capacity. So some of it happened organically with, oh wow, we need to expand. And then some of it is very thoughtful and planful with where will we go in the future. Built in, yeah. With our, with our buildings and where we are now and wanting to stay local, I think 15,000 barrels in-house is going to be probably our, our ca capacity on site. So we'll see where that 15,000 takes us. <laughs> I'm going to remind you that when you're knocking down half of Westerly to do a million <laughs> barrels a year or something. Um, all right, we're going to take another break. When we come back, we're going to talk with Jennifer about a new beer they are launching at Graysale and how it fits into their plans and what advice you might have for you if you want to get a little smarter about beer. Stick with us on Executive Suite. Welcome back to Executive Suite. I'm Ted Nisi. We're talking today about the beer business with Jennifer Brinton. She is co-owner of Graysale in Westerly. And we were talking before the break about Captain's Daughter. Uh, you launched yes. in 2014, you said. Yes. Um, and that really became your signature beer. But you're now launching a sort of sister to the signature beer, uh, which we have here with us uh, today. Little Sister, tell us about it. We are. So Little Sister is the session version, so much lower alcohol content, uh, than Captain's Daughter, which is 
our double IPA, and this is a session IPA. And uh, we've been asked time and time again by consumers, by our distributors, you know, when is the captain's daughter going to have a friend on the shelf, right? <laughs> so something that is a more sessionable style. And here she is. So we're launching The Little Sister. Came out on the market, I think, about two week to two weeks ago. Um, we are already out of stock in, <laughs> in Rhode Island, which is wonderful. Uh, we're very excited. Again, nice problem to have, yep. right? So, um, you know, all, all great plans laid out. We had this launch plan, and when we're rolling out to every single distributor, and um, one week in, and we're changing that plan, uh, those outer markets are going to be delayed a bit as we continue to really focus on Rhode Island. Yeah, I guess, and that's what you want as a, right? right. You want, you'd Absolutely. rather, I mean, you want to have enough stock, but it's like when Apple puts out a new iPhone and they're like, right. we're trying to get it back in stock. You'd rather have people demanding it than, you sure you don't want one? Which is, right, there, there's a balance, <laughs> yeah. right? So as you said before, there's a trade-off to everything, yeah. right? You want to have it, you want to have it on the shelf, you want to have it on the taps, but, um, but yes, it's, it's nice to know that it's wanted. So. And as people listen, you're talking about it, it's a session IPA, you're talking about kind of what you offer there. I'm sure there are people watching who, you know, they have a beer now and then, um, they might get it the, well, not the supermarket in Rhode Island, but they might get it, you know, they, they, they have sort of a standby, but they're, they'd like to get smarter. Maybe they're a little intimidated by all the different offerings and all the right. new breweries. What would be your advice to someone who wants to sort of become a smarter beer consumer but isn't sure where to start? So. We have the fortune in Rhode Island of having a lot of local breweries um, that you can find on draft at all the local restaurants, bars, um, and on the sh shelf at package stores. Package stores have really done a great job of honing in on a local cooler. So having a local branded cooler where you can go to and explore everything that is basically available to you here, right? So I think that's a great opportunity. Um, and, and having that, building that culture actually helps the breweries too to produce and be more innovative as well on the market. So it really is kind of a nice balancing act there. So if you want to learn more about beers, try different styles. Beer festivals are a great way to do it. Um, the Rhode Island Brewers Guild runs a great one in April um, in Newport, which is a great opportunity to try all different kinds of beers without committing to any one of them. Um, just to experience them, explore them, and learn from other people who are beer connoisseurs who are you know, in line next to you. So I think that's a great opportunity that we have. And then just going out, and when you're going out, just asking the bartender for something that is local or a different style, or, you know, have that conversation. So it's, we're really building a culture, and it's what we need to do um, for, for our industry. We need to do it, and any help that a consumer gives by engaging in that conversation and being interested in the local market is is great. And you, uh, you, I've alluded to it, you just mentioned it there. It feels like we've had just an explosion in the beer mm -hmm. industry and the growth in recent years. We've had on the Garrison from Foolproof, you're here with us yep. today, we've talked to other folks. What do you think is, you know, caused that? Is it, is it, uh, you know, is it is it happening all over the place, and we're just seeing it here in Rhode Island as well? Is there something in particular about Rhode Island? What what, what have you noticed? So it is someone? it is happening all over the country. So I think um, I don't know the exact year years for the stats, but we were at under two thousand breweries just a short number of years ago, and now we're at over five thousand breweries in the country. So popping up all over. However, what is different is when you say 5,000 breweries, we're all different models, all different business models. So we referenced before that we're a packaging brewery, um, foolproof packaging brewery, Newport, same. And in Rhode Island, we're up to, I think, 27 breweries at last count, and the count does change regularly. Um, we have a passport for the state to visit the breweries, and that is continually out of date, <laughs> uh, but we try to keep up. But we've, about five of us are packaging breweries, so distributing you know, a little farther, a little into other states. 
um, most are in-house breweries. So they're brewing, they're not necessarily packaging, maybe they are, um, but selling right out of their mm. own brewery. Um, so it's a very different business model than, than what we are. Maybe something like a growler of it if you're correct, at their brewery, correct. that kind of business. Correct, Or if yeah. they're packaging in cans or bottles, mm -hmm. you know, selling a case of that out mm -hmm. of their brewery itself. So very different business model. Um, they all do work each in its own. It just depends what your goals are. And that's really been this explosion in Rhode Island has been, um, there have been law changes over the last several years. So back in 2011 when we started, we were the second brewery. There were a couple brew pubs. Uh, or Fibro Pubs, and we were the second brewery right after New, uh, Newport had already been here since they just passed their 20th anniversary. And then a year after us, Fullproof opened up in Pawtucket. So those were really the first three. After that was when you saw this explosion after 2013. Um, in 2013, we did get the Growler Law passed, so we were able to market our beer to consumers, tourists who came in. We were able to sell a Growler of beer. Um, so that was a huge benefit from the marketing standpoint and really helped to get the name of the, the beers out there, name of the breweries out there. Um, and then from there, the law changed, I believe, twice since then to allow a little bit more to go out the front door of a brewery. So that has, with those law changes, they've really, um, more and more breweries have come into the state. And I can't count how many times I've interviewed uh, brewery folks who complain about, uh, you know, they, the, the Rhode Island, at least in the past, had very strict laws around mm -hmm. a lot of this that made it harder for, for people who are entrepreneurs and just wanted to get something right. started to sell their product to do it. What do you think right now is the biggest, what's the one you hear about the most when you all are having, you know, a trade meeting or something to talk about, you know, the industry's priorities? What would you, what would you right. suggest should be looked at that might help exp further expand? So again, it, it gets back to the different business models, right? So from us, for a packaging brewery, it's um, working with Commerce Corp and, you know, Rhode Island and, and the different tourist bureaus to really, um, really drive that culture of beer, drive the, the knowledge of it, that we exist, that this is a, another reason to come to Rhode Island, that in a weekend, you can, you can make that passport a reality in a weekend. <laughs> Not many other states can, yeah. you, can you do that. So that's from, from my perspective as a packaging brewery, that's something that um, we would look to. And I think that is the next thing that would really help with the growth, with the expansion, with the recognition and knowledge of, of the industry and of the brands. So the ocean state, but maybe also the beer state uh, over time <laughs> as people get that passport. All right, we're out of time today. Jennifer Britton, co-owner of Graysale, thank you so much for being with us. Little Appreciate sister, it. you can find it if it's not sold out yet, but they're making right, plenty of it, so it should more. be there before you know it if you, if you don't have it on the shelf right now. And uh, remember, if you missed any of this episode of Executive Suite or any other episode, you can catch them all on WPRI.com, or you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. See you next week here on Executive Suite.